The Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show. In the next hour, you'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth uh, twice. Uh, once uh, on uh, speaking after the game at Lincoln on Saturday and uh, again before the end of the show, uh, sort of reflecting on uh, what the weather <laughs> and uh, also looking ahead to the visit of the league leaders at Ipswich Town who come to Adams Park on Saturday. Uh, much to look forward to in the last game before Christmas there. Uh, we cast our mind back not too far with our uh, Wickham Wanderers uh, Players Association uh, slot this week. We catch up with former goalkeeper Scott Shearer, who uh, you may or may not know still lives in the area as well. We'll be hearing from him. Uh, we'll be uh, talking more about Wickham Wanderers women as well with Dino, uh, which is how she wants to be pronounced, uh, wants to be uh, referred to. <laughs> uh, Emma Dean, of course, who you may or may not know, has uh, been with the club a very long time and uh, currently plying her trade, if that's the right expression, in the reserves. Uh, most recently, as well, has been uh, between the sticks in goal. A uh, bit of a <laughs> bit of a departure from her normal position. All that and more on the way, as I say, in the next hour or so. But first, uh, let's catch up with Phil, who uh, after the game last week, uh, you might have heard the uh, manager saying uh, that could well work out to be a, a very decent point in the end away at Lincoln. Yeah, I think Gareth said over the course of the season it'd be a decent point. Um, they're unbeaten at home. Um, I think that's nine draws out of twelve home games they've had. Um, so they're, they're no pushovers at home. Um, I think so. To lose there would have been disappointing, but to not lose there, I think is uh, is a decent point. And they look like they've got a good side as well. If Mark Kennedy could just find the back of the net a bit more at home, um, then they could be challenging along with Wickham. Hopefully, they could be one of these raft of teams who could be eyeing up the top six. Um, but yeah, I think a decent point. It was bitterly cold uh, as well, so it was uh, not the easiest conditions to play. Well, I credit to the to the ground staff. Lincoln, they don't have uh, undersoil heating, they've got pitch covers, and I think the referee had barely got off the pitch on Saturday and they were putting them back on after the game. So you can see how hard they work up at Sinstill Bank to make sure that the games go ahead. Um, so full credit to them, uh, and yeah, it went ahead. And Wickham yeah, extended the unbeaten run a little bit further and, um, and got a point on the road. There is something quite pleasing, isn't there? If you, I know it's the old adage, but if you, especially away, you know, if you, if you can't win, then, then obviously don't lose. Well, yeah, I think it backs up the, the home win against Pompey really well because that's uh, four points from two games. If you do that across the season, you average, you know, two points a game. My maths is, is bang on it. And uh, and that probably gets you in the top six at the end of the season, at least. So, yeah, if Wickham can keep winning their home games and pick up points from awkward away trips, uh, maybe throw the odd victory on the road in as well, just for good measure, uh, then they should be there or thereabouts. Although this next home game is going to be tricky, but... Um, I think it was important that Wickham, you know, stayed unbeaten um, going into the uh, Ipswich game to go in with a bit of momentum. And speaking to Gareth afterwards uh, from a very chilly Sinsil Bank, I think he agreed with me. I wish it had been 4-4 as a draw because the fans would have had some goals. The fans have travelled all this way on a day where a lot of them have stayed at home to watch the England game. A lot of them will be building up to that now. Um, and fair play, that you want to support your country, but those, those today, they supported their club and I can't thank them enough. They, uh, they kept us going. It was a case of uh, cancelling each other out today. We really wasn't. They were a possession-based team who create good chances, and I thought we uh, we really sort of shut out today. We, there was no real clear-cut chances for Lincoln today, and I'm really proud of that. I think we probably had the lion's share. You know, not being horrible. I think that they uh, they almost scored a non-goal. It was a fantastic save from their keeper, and then we hit the post when that melee there. I thought the ball would would hit the back of the net. I think we've had you know uh, a good amount of corners as well. But um, I've got to give credit to Lincoln City. I think they're. Uh, they're a really well-drilled outfit. I think they've got a fantastic young manager. I think he's going to go on to big things, Mark. I think he, uh, he has a, a real 
identity about him and ethos and the way of playing and um, and it's difficult I think being four points off fourth place is a really good place to be at the moment after everyone said we've had a tough season and a dodgy season four points off fourth like I say is, uh, is great I think we'll be in this playoff shake at the end of the season I, I firmly believe that and I also think Lincoln City will be I think they're a good side and uh, and I think that that's a cracking point away from home and two consecutive clean sheets as well and Max didn't have a lot to do today no as I say you know, we didn't get troubled really most of his his, his actions there was with his feet kicking and uh, got, you know, I want him to improve on that and get, get better at that because I think when teams press us really high we've got to be accurate with our balls forward we weren't great today for everyone not, not just Max everyone you know, I thought that the quality going forward could have been better but when we had those openings, you know, we've got to make them count. And in recent games we have, the forwards have been brilliant, you know, this season. Um, scored a lot of goals, but not today. But you know what? Away from home like that on a cold afternoon like this, on a on a pitch that I'll have to say thank you to the grounds people and Lincoln City for getting this game on because we were always thinking this was uh, this was going to be off. But um, they've done a brilliant job. Not surprised because I know this club and I, I know how it's run. There's some great people here and, uh, and nil-nil. It's not such a bad result for us. We, we take a point down the road. Last Sunday you had the element of surprise with your tactical change and uh, personnel change, but unchanged today, so uh, you, you rewarded that team after that performance. Yeah, no surprises today, you know. Uh, m- maybe they should have been, but, um, you know, you, everyone's, a, everyone's a hindsight coach, aren't they? And uh, if I change the team and we get beat, then, again, I've, uh, <laughs> I've made a mistake there. So, no, I'm, I'm pleased with the application, as always, of the boys. January's coming up, and there's going to be a great deal of transfer activity for us. We'll see what we can do. I'm hoping zero, I'll take zero now with the likes of Anis Mamete, you know, and, uh, and the like um, being in such sort of hot form. But, um, no, got to credit Lincoln today. But also I want to credit those, what was it, a couple of hundred fans that made the journey up because, uh, you know, if, if they're looking at this and watching this, thank you. Thank you so much because that was a tough afternoon. It was a tough game to watch, but... You can say at the end of the season when uh, when we make those players, I was at Lincoln City away when we got that vital point. Uh, great to hear from the manager, as always. And I know when we spoke to him last week as well, it's obviously consistency that he's looking for. And I guess there, there does feel, especially as you say, after the Portsmouth game, there's quite a bit of solidity in the in the team's display now. Yeah, and it's it's really nice you know, to go into the Ipswich game uh, after our home win. It's been a little while for a home win before that game against Pompey. Um, and hopefully the boys can take that form into the Ipswich game as well because they've just gone top of the table, uh, although it puts a target on their back now, so maybe psychologically they'll be struggling uh, with being top now after trying to chase down Plymouth. Um, so, yeah, we shall see, but we know that Wickham Wanderers raise themselves for the big games, um, and, you know, there's none bigger than top of the table. Ipswich coming to town should be a... a, a, a a, a bumper attendance for Christmas as well. Uh, it's going to be well over 2,000 Ipswich Sound fans there as well. Hopefully the Wickham public respond to ticket sales looking really good. Um, so it should be a cracking atmosphere a week before Christmas. And hopefully the present that we all want, uh, Colin, will be three points for Wickham Wanderers. We'll see. Absolutely. I'm sure many fans really encouraged by what they saw you know, either on TV or at the ground in that Portsmouth display. And we'll be looking for something similar at Adams Park again. Absolutely. And, you know, with no real new injuries to worry about it's uh, looking like it could be a settled back back line and and you know settled selection you know Alex Mimetti has made the most appearances uh, this season from any Wickham player 
uh, and has been lighting up the league. So hopefully he can continue where he left off. I'm liking the look of Safazoli and Morton at the heart of the defence together. They're getting a little run. Uh, it's a phenomenal stat actually involving Ryan Safazoli that when he's played at home in the league, I don't think we've conceded a goal since almost like I think back in February maybe in the league back at Adams Park. Um, so if he is playing, then hopefully he can continue that run, although I may have jinxed it now. Um, but yeah, them two together look really solid at the back. They look like they've got a good partnership there. Jack Grimm has been in good form as well at right back. Uh, Joe Jacobson's back in the mix now after completing his three-match suspension. Um, and uh, we hear that Dominic Gape is, is uh, back in full training as well. So that's going to add competition into those midfield spots. And obviously the manager saying, you know, the second half of the season is going to be key. And as you say, getting some of these players back at, at the right time, really. Yeah, just in time for the Christmas rush because... Obviously, after the Ipswich game, we've got just over a week. Then it's Boxing Day, 29th, then the game around New Year's. Um, so, yeah, those three vital fixtures coming back-to-back in quick succession. And I know Gareth will disagree with this, but it can make or break a season, that little run, can't it? Because if you, if you get a good return of points, you can really propel yourself up the seat, up the table and then set yourself up for a really barnstorming second half of the season. And that's what Gareth Ainsworth has been predicting. And wouldn't it be wonderful to go in off the back of a, of a decent one over the festive period? And it feels like such a good position to be just, just sitting, you know, just outside the playoffs at the moment, having that sort of hunting mentality. Yeah, Gareth has said that, you know, it's been slipping under the radar. I think the thing that's slightly concerning about it, though, is that there seems to be at least 10 other teams who are classing themselves in exactly that same position. It's so tight, isn't it, League One, that middle ground of League One. Um, but the, the pace at the top has been relentless, uh, although it looks like Plymouth having a little wobble now. They've had a few injuries and, and results are starting to, to run out for them, but they'll be looking to kickstart their season again. I say kick-started, they're in the automatics, but you know their form has been immense up until recent times. Um, wouldn't it be great if Wickham were to beat them down there over Christmas as well? I'm sure they'd really like that as well. Um, but yeah, it's it looks like hopefully we can claw one of those teams back uh, and then I think someone needs to go on a run around January, February time just to really sort of impose themselves into that top six and keep themselves there. Because yeah, at the moment, it's it's a bit like a horse race, isn't it? There's there's a whole bank of horses all neck and neck sort of going to the last fence and thinking, right, who's going to be who's going to be in the top six? So we'll have to see. And also, I think it's quite nice to be playing the likes of Ipswich and Plymouth and Portsmouth around this time as well, because it, it really gives you a good kind of gauge as to, as to where you are, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, Plymouth have spent a lot of money. They've got uh, a really highly thought of young manager. It's his first job, but you know, it's a top job in uh, a club. Uh, but he came from Manchester United, where he was the assistant to, to Jose Mourinho and, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So he's got a really good pedigree. Um, but he was untested really as a manager, but he's doing fantastically well. And let's not forget, his first game was against Wickham Wodgers at Portman Road. And he's really built on that on that early win he got against Wickham and, and has seen them go top now. Um, but he's going to be looking now to kick on and, and get away from that, that pack that we've mentioned just to keep going. Um, but I was chatting to an Ipswich fan this week and... It's not like Wickham when they got promoted. Because if Ipswich get promoted this season with the budget they've got, the squad they've got, which is excellent, um, Willow will look at them and go, "Well, yeah, you should have got promoted." A bit like Sheffield Wednesday as well. So I wonder if they're. I'm sure their fans will enjoy it if they do get promoted. Um, but it's not like when Wickham do it because we really celebrated quite hard when we got promoted. <laughs> I hadn't realised until last week's show as well. Really, quite how prominent the letter P is in League One this season. Yeah, well, you know, all the all the best people have names uh, beginning with P. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh yeah, um, and also also really nice that uh, you know uh, people who've watched Wanderers TV will know already, but I'm sure that um, you know this weekend a great opportunity for for fans to uh, to hear some some music selected by the manager. Yeah, or well, Big Mac Strick has been you know the the pre match playlist picks has been uh, started by a player. Jack Grimm was the first player, then each week they get to nominate someone else, another player or member of staff. Uh, it's been players up to this point, but um, Super Max Strick. After his excellent choices, by the way, they were good, played they? a huge part. They played a huge part in Wickham's victory against Pompey. I think that's uh, that's not been stated enough, actually. Uh, but he then also said that he was selecting Gareth Ainsworth um, to do uh, the pre-match playlist picks. If you've not seen him on uh, on um, pre-match drills, the uh, weekly Wickham Wanderers show on Wanderers TV, which is an excellent watch, uh, it's a lovely time just to chat, sit down with Gareth and chat about music. No mention of football at all. Uh, I just sat down talking about music and, uh, you know, his eyes really light up when he talk about music. He absolutely loves it. And uh, there's, some, uh, there's some some really good sort of 80s hair metal for people to get their heads into as well. Sounds fantastic. I look forward to that. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Brilliant to chat to you. Uh, one, before I leave, Colin, talking about music, oh, we yes. just had the Office Secret Santa. Uh, and obviously, I don't know who's bought me these. I've, I've been bought two gifts. Uh, one, a bald comb to shine up my bald head, which is uh, very appreciative. But I've also got this wonderful Christmas tie, which plays music. So here we go, mate. There you go. So um, I hope everyone gets a Christmas present as good as this. <laughs> I honestly thought it might have gone on for a bit longer than that. It's- it's not the not 12 inch version, is it? That we all, uh, we all know and love. Brilliant chat to Phil, as always, though. Uh, Phil Catchpole, in case you didn't know, it, it, very few people don't know who Phil is. Uh, but uh, Fort Wickham Wanderers, who's the head of audio and broadcast, happens to be as well our match commentator on a Saturday on uh, both uh, Wickham Sound and Wanderers TV. And as he quite ably mentioned there, uh, on uh, Wanderers TV, does the uh, pre match drills as well. You can hear the uh, full uh, interview with the manager from the. Um, Lincoln game, Whew, nearly forgot, uh, on Wanderers TV as well. Some other club news from this week as well to bring you. Uh, Chris Farino, of course, the uh, fantastic young defender at Adams Park, has uh, opted to play for St Lucia, uh, the national team. He met with uh, Stern John, who, of course, is the uh, St Lucia manager and his assistant, uh, to, uh, to, to confirm that. And a number of other Wanderers players, uh, youngsters who are out on loan, have extended their deals. Adam Leathers, for example, who uh, was once on the books of uh, Leicester City. Uh, he's staying at Hampton and Richmond until the new year. Uh, that's after initially joining the club on a one-month loan deal. He's played a couple of games uh, for the Richmond upon Thames side and uh, is currently wearing the number 17 shirt. So we wish him all the best uh, during his loan spell there as well. Plus, another young chair boy, this time defender uh, Ben Kanida, is uh, joining Hanwell Town on a 28-day uh, loan deal. So obviously wish him all the best as well. There are a number of other development players as well who are uh, currently out on loan as well, <coughs> Excuse me, uh, including, uh, of course, Luca Woodhouse and uh, Arnold uh, Mashazi as well, who are at uh, Slough Town, and uh, Connor Parsons is at Solihull Moors as well. There are a number of others who are out on loan at the moment. Of course, we'll be, <laughs> we'll be following their progress, as long as I don't choke, uh, here at Wickham Sound. <laughs> Still to come on this week's edition of the Wickham Wanderers show, we'll bring you uh, news from Wickham Wanderers women and catch up for, with uh, Dino, who's been at the club a long time and uh, currently working with the reserves and indeed playing for them, sometimes in goal. Uh, that and more on the way, including more from uh, Wickham manager Gareth Ainsworth, who uh, was uh, just starting his playing career at the club when uh, our next guest 
uh, was arriving in 2007. He uh, stayed for three years, and they were quite an eventful three years as well. Uh, played in goal, I'm sure you remember Scott Shearer, still lives locally as well uh, in Marlow, and uh, been catching up with him to find out his earliest memories of uh, when he first arrived at Adams Park. Paul Lambert was the manager at the time. He was trying to build some success at the club. And you could feel that when you went in. Uh, you know, the club had a, a good, solid foundation there. Um, the training ground was a really attractive piece for a, for me as a player to come down, you know, and it was League 2 at the time. And to have such a, a really good training ground with facilities that help you improve off the pitch as well as on, you know, that was a real pull for me. And then obviously the stadium, I, I've, I've always loved the stadium. Always loved it. I get the access, etc. as an issue. But... Everything about the club was absolutely solid. You know, the, the finances were all solid with Steve, Steve in charge. And then it was just a club who wanted to, to progress and, you know, go further up the leagues. So the year that I came in in 2007, you know, there was a real statement by Paul. He brought, I think it was seven players in that summer. Um, so the, the first impressions were really positive for me. And as you say, the calibre of uh, players that, that were around at that time as well, it, it must have felt like quite a special sort of era was starting in a way. Well, yeah, you could just see what he was trying to do. And then obviously, unfortunately for me, you know, I had quite a horrific injury a couple of months in, uh, which kept me out for that season. But from then on, you know, you had players like Neil Lennon coming in, um, you know, Rob Douglas came in. It was obviously the, the manager's ex-teammates who were coming down to sort of play for him. But... I mean, we're still attracting that calibre player to come down to League Two from, you know, playing at such a high level. So, yeah, it was, it was a really good time. You mentioned the injury. I mean, it must have been so frustrating, but uh, also just the sort of innocuousness of it as well, like just at the training ground like that. Yeah, it was horrible. It was, my, it was my first proper injury, you know, and yeah, it wasn't nice. I don't think I helped myself by trying to kick my ankle back into place and then I had big Terry pin me to stop me from losing the plot I think I went into a bit of shock so yeah it was horrible and then also I mean it wasn't it, it was taking me a little while to get settled into being at a new club and stuff I was putting a bit too much pressure on myself I think to start with and then I'd, I'd actually come out the team and the, the gaffer had put Jamie Young back in and then obviously you know it was the, it was the week after I think Youngie I came on off the bench against Shrewsbury Youngie had tore his hamstring during that game and the following week I you know had a fracture dislocation in my ankle and it was uh, and then they had to bring obviously I think Frank Fielding was one of the young goalkeepers they brought in and another lad from Bolton I believe so yeah it wasn't a great start but you know it, it progressed and it got better I was going to say brilliant the way you bounced back and you had such a consistency the following season as well well it, it was really strange because you know the whole year I was nowhere near fully fit. But it was just, you know, I was so desperate to do well, so desperate to stay in the team. And the team, you know, we we had such a great start to that season. You know, the first half of the season, I think we were unbeaten in 23 games, was it? 21 games, something like that. But by Christmas time, you know, I I always remember, you know, just walking the dog and and struggling to just go on a walk with the dog. That my ankle was really bad. And I ended up, I think it was in February, I went in and said to the manager that I really feel that I'm struggling. I don't think I should be playing because I started to make some errors. So we got it checked and the the specialist at the time says, oh, you're basically it's not been set properly. 
which is why I'm, I was getting incredible pain. So that was, I think, on in March, I get put back in and had to get my ankle redone. But you came such a long way as well. And to be named in the, the PFA League Two Team of the Year for that season, for 2008-2009, so, so must be so, such a great reward for, for what you've kind of been through. Do you know what it is? When you look back at it now, it's incredible. At the time, you don't really, you know, I don't think I really appreciated it. I was just so focused on trying to get promotion. I was so desperate to get that promotion um, and get some success. But looking back on it, it shows you how, how well the team done because I think three of us were named in that team. So I think as a team, we, we really deserve the promotion. Um, but looking back, it's, it's some of the things now when, when you retire, you sort of you can reflect on some of the, the moments in your career. During your career, it's so fast-paced. You, know, you just have so little time to appreciate a lot of it. And getting the side out of League Two must have felt a great achievement as well under, under Peter as well, a brilliant sort of a milestone for the club, if you like. Yeah, it was. Do you know what? It was, I think it's probably my best promotion. It was my first real promotion. And it was just, I mean, we couldn't have made it any more hard work, could we? Let's be honest. Taking it down to the sort of, I remember in the in the, in the media room in the stadium, listening to the, the Bury game. You know, we'd get a guy from Sky Sports telling us that Bury have just hit the bar and the third minute of injury time. And you're just thinking, oh my God, it was so stressful. But when we get told that we we had done it and we were up, let's just say that party lasted a long time. <laughs> and as well, I think if you speak to strikers, you know they they have favourite goals. But as a goalkeeper, do you, do you have particular sort of memorable uh, games where you know kept a clean sheet or you know particular saves that really stand out? I mean, there's lots of there's lots of times, but you make loads of saves, obviously. And, you know, you have you have good games, you have not so good games. But I mean, I think it's just. One of the games that really does probably stick out for me was Norwich at home, and I got man of the match that game. And I, it was one of the games you come off and you just know you've done you've done everything you could, and you you've earned the man of the match. Sometimes you get man of the match, and it feels like your parents are giving it out because <laughs> you probably didn't really deserve it. It's just somebody's view of it. But yeah, that was one of the games that I felt I really deserved the, the man of the match. So overall, how do you look back at your, at your time at the club? Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. And it was, I just, and I love the way the club's gone now with Gareth and, and Dobbo and George. You know, it's such a good club. As someone who's retired now, you, you sort of, you're able to look at how football as an industry really is. And, you know, the way Gareth and, and Dobbo do it, I, I really love it. You know, when I was at Oxford at the end of my career, I used to hop in and have a coffee and you know, Blooms was still a player there and you just saw it and it was just such a great atmosphere and I think that's what the club's now given. It's not just successful and probably overachieving at the level Gareth has been doing it, but the players that are there absolutely love it and trust me, there are not many clubs that you can say that about. Obviously, from from my time at the club, it's, it's only progressed, which is such a nice thing to see. No, definitely. And so many clubs, you know, the manager doesn't get the time to kind of build the culture that, that Gareth has. And obviously when you come into towards the end of your time there, that was just when Gareth was starting, really. Yeah, Gareth came in, he was playing. And I mean, he was, you know, as, as, as good as a manager he was, as a player, obviously I was in my late 20s and Gareth just made you step up personally, your own standards as a player. So I imagine, you know, that's what he's taken into management. And, uh, and the players he brings in, you know, they do a lot of due diligence on who they're bringing in. Is going to be a right fit for the club because 
He doesn't want people in, no prima donnas. You know, he wants people who are going to come in and, and do what the team needs. And you sort of see that by the players he brings in. They're all incredibly unselfish. And you imagine as well, in the dressing room, he was a pretty similar character to how he is now as a manager, just getting everyone really G'd up. He was nuts. He was absolutely <laughs> nuts. He was, but I mean, in such a good way, like you say, he was, such, he was so positive. And I always remember every time he would come in in the morning, he would do a big scream. And like, it would just make everyone smile, make everyone like sort of posture up a bit and know, right, you're in here to work. And then he, again, I, I used to always remember it. He wouldn't train every day because he was in his 40s at the time. But in the gym, oh my God, he was an absolute animal. And he was just, like I said, he just brought the standard up massively. And I know as well, many goalkeepers there, you know, not too keen to take too much credit. And I, I'm sure you want to pay a lot of tribute to kind of defenders and, and other t- players that you had in front of you as well for, for your success during your time there too. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding, yeah. We, we had, especially that, that promotion season, you know, we had such a good, good team. Really good team, you know. I think we, I think we managed to keep over twenty clean sheets that season, which is, I think, uh, Stockholm surpassed that a couple of seasons ago last season when done really well. But I mean, it's it's such a hard feat to do, and it's a credit to the whole team then. But you know, at the time, I had like big Mike Williamson in front of me, David McCracken. You know, these guys, Leon Johnson. These guys were amazing to have in front of you because they were just honest men who would go out there and, and try their hardest and they were, you know, to help matters, they were really good defenders. And is it really nice to sort of reflect on, obviously not just speaking about the other clubs that you played for and, and your career as well and what you achieved and, and you know, people, if they look at your record and not many goalkeepers will have uh, uh, goals scored uh, one in it either. Yeah, I yeah, know, it's, it's a running joke with me and my mates. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, that was, that was a long time ago, but a lot of people said that, it wasn't my goal. One of my teammates at the time said it wasn't my goal. The only reason I said it was my goal was to try and get a move down south. So it's, if that's the case, it seemed to work. And you did some coaching as well. That must have been quite nice just to be able to pass on you know, your experience as well to, to other young goalkeepers too. It was, but I, I noticed that you know, football's changing and I always got told you know, when, I, when I first moved down by my first goalkeeping coach, a man named Alan Hodgkinson, and he always said to me, you know, football moves on. And, and the day that, you know, it moves on and you've not moved on with it is the day you need to get out of it. And I realised that, you know, I'm, I'm quite old school in my values. And I realised that it's not really that way anymore. So I realised that I, I just realised I wasn't really, it wasn't really suited for anyone like me anymore. So I, I, I had that feeling, that gut feeling that it, you know, it wasn't for me to stay in football now. It was time to move on and, and let someone else, you know, come in and do a better job than what I could do. So you're, you're into financial advising currently. Is that something that you always had an interest in or is that something you kind of discovered and thought, oh yeah, I can help especially players? Um, it's, it's a bit of both, obviously. When you when you have a football career, you, you get told often enough that it's, you know, it's a short career. You've got to make the most of it, uh, especially financially, because... Like you say, you, you don't know when it's going to end. You don't know what your next contract's going to be. So you've got to sort of be clever with your money. But it, it was actually because when I first moved down, I actually got some really poor financial advice. And this was before it was heavily regulated. And it, it sort of didn't help me in a way. You know, I lost a good bit of money out of it. And it, it always sort of was a sour taste in my mouth. And then it was something that I'd obviously looked at throughout my whole career and looking after my own money 
And within that, I sort of probably didn't do the best I could do by not taking sound financial advice. And then towards the end of my footballing career, I was noticing that, you know, there were still players making the same mistakes that I was making, you know, as a young 22, 23-year-old. So I thought, I thought that, that was it. I could be the sort of the bridge from, you know, having the career that these, these young lads want to have, you know, the longevity of it and being able to give them sound financial planning throughout that, knowing what they're going to go through along what stages along the way. And that's the way it sort of worked out now. I've, you know, I'm starting to bring players on as clients and really sit down and go through. And, and the, the beautiful thing about it for me is, is that I can be myself. I don't need to, to worry about what I'm saying to them. You know, I'm, they know what I'm saying to them is because I really want them to, to achieve something. And by the time they end their football career, I want them to have something to fall back on. That must be so relatable as well, because obviously you've had your, your career as a footballer as well, rather than you know someone who's just done uh, you know been a financial advisor. Yeah, and that's it. And that's I think that's what allows me with the with the lads that I look after to just be so honest with them and, and upfront and quite brunt. And it's like I'll say to them if they want to take my advice, perfect. If they don't, you know, they're pretty sure that they'll come back later on and say I wish I'd taken it. So the majority of them if not all of them have listened so far and they're in a really good place, which is amazing. But again, it's not a transactional thing. For me, it's, it's more holistic. I want to, you know, work with these lads, you know, until their retirement and help them through the different stages of life because, you know, things change quick in life, as we know. So it's, it's, it's very rewarding for me. I understand you can often be found on the golf course as well. Yeah, usually in the rough. <laughs> <laughs> usually in the, the right-hand side of the fairway. <laughs> but no, yeah, I'm a member down at Harleyford Golf Course. So yeah, I play, I play down there quite often. And obviously the ex-players have a golf there as well, which I, I understand you've been a good participant in, along with um, Steve Hayes as well, as you mentioned. And I'm really nice that the ex-players you know, provide that opportunity for you know, teammates from so many different eras to kind of come together and, and have sort of shared experiences too. Yeah, no, it was really good. My first year, you know, Steve invited me to come down and play a party. His, his sort of four ball, we went down and it was... It was a great day, you know, there was a lot of people there that have done a lot of good for the club. Just nice to see some old faces as well as, you know, the new faces that have taken the club forward. And as you touched on at the beginning, it must be so nice for you as well to, you know, still be living locally and, and trying to really reflect on, on how far the club's come, even, you know, just since since your, your time there as well. Massively. I mean, even, like I said, there was a big pull for me to go to the club with the facilities that it has. But I mean, the, the, the club's progressed that even forward and even, even more so moving forward and it's amazing the, the training ground is really nice you know the stadium the, the pitch surface is incredible and then it's just a case of now you know I'm trying to get down there to, to support the club as much as I can and you know be a fan now I mean, especially when the, when the team got to be in the championship because I remember when, when Steve came and took over he had this sort of five year plan to, to get the team into the championship and a lot of fans thought you know well, struggling in League 2 we're not, not going to reach the championship but it's been so incredible this, this kind of journey as well as you say under Gareth and the culture that he's, he's built their team Yeah definitely I think um, like I said I think a lot of the foundations were put then um, to, to where Steve obviously wanted to try and help the club get to you know it, it didn't happen for whatever reason and then you know, Gareth and that done really well to steady the ship and it's now in good ownership again and the club's progressing. You know, it was just 
to think that Gareth has got Wickham Wanderers into the championship is just ridiculous, if I'm honest. You know, it just shows you we don't need enormous budgets. You know, if you, if you can can lead and manage players and give them clear instructions, you know, these players are good enough to, to sort of get to that level. Really enjoyable chatting to uh, Scott Shearer and uh, thanks as always to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association. Fantastic to uh, speak to the former stars of uh, the Wanderers each week. Uh, I thought it'd be nice to continue the Scottish section of the show. Uh, we had Jack Grimmel on live last week and uh, the uh, defender had another good game after Phil uh, praised him last week as well. Uh, this time against Lincoln, so I thought it'd be nice to hear from him. What do you mean it would work better if we'd have done it? <laughs> earlier in the show after we'd heard from Gareth post-match at Sinsel Bank. I know. Uh, but, but here he is chatting to Phil uh, about uh, another clean sheet. Uh, Jack, a nil-nil. So we have to talk, talk to defender after that, but um, a clean sheet, from your point of view, a, a good day? Yeah, I think so. I think it was, um, you know, it's always nice to keep a clean sheet. Obviously, I would have rather we won. Um, I think the clean sheet is nice, but if you were to talk for me, a 2-1 win, obviously I'd rather that, but... Um, I think these are the games that you know previously we might have lost. Um, you know the, the games that we didn't really create much, but we managed to limit their chances as well. And I think you know a point on the road is probably never a bad result. In a very tight game like that, keeping the clean sheets important because Wick have nearly got away with the goal at the start of that second half, hitting the post. Yeah, I think so. And um, the keeper as well in the first half. I think their defender kicked. How it's not gone in? I just, I just think when that happened, I thought. Okay, let's not concede because you know we're going to have to really work hard to get a goal. And um, you, like I said, you have games like that that maybe sometimes, you know, last Sunday against Pompey, the quality is there and things are flowing. You come away today, the quality is not there, and you know people just aren't on the same page. And it's that's football. You know, no two, no two games are the same. But um, you know, I think it's, it's important if you aren't going to score, then come away with a point, and then you've got a massive game next week to look forward to. Lincoln unbeaten in, in the league at home I think they've, that's their ninth draw in the league here at, at yeah. Sintel Bank you can kind of see why after today yeah I didn't know that until after the game but you can see why I mean I think we played them last season and <clears throat> their league position was, wasn't probably what they wanted it to be um, but they are a good side you know they, I think they've shown that this today already like you said with their home record they're a very good side um, and I think for me it makes the point on the clean sheet even more sweet the fact that they've got such a good home record so like I said, you know, thank you to all the fans, by the way, that came because it was freezing today and with the World Cup on and everything, it's nice that, you know, anyone showed up. So it was, it was, it was good on them to, to make the journey and um, at least, you know, we gave them a point to go on. Uh, from the press box, the pitch looks magnificent as well. And uh, how was it out there? Because I, I would suggest credit to the ground staff. I don't know what they were... Compl- I don't know what the pitch inspection was about because the, the pitch was fair play to them. They did... Um, they did really well. We, I spoke to the referee before the game and he sort of complimented how well they'd done. And when we were sort of walking around before the game, I did. we were all thinking, what's the pitch inspection been for? Because, you know, look at them now, they're on the pitch putting the, putting the covers back on it and, you know, fair play to them because the pitch was, yeah, was immaculate. You've mentioned the World Cup. Uh, looking forward to England game? <laughs> yeah, I think we're all going to watch it as a team. Um, so I think the, the camps, I wouldn't say split, obviously it's heavily towards England, but... Um, but yeah, I think I think being a Scotsman, I'm not overly fussed about. But I, I'm not one of those Scotsmen that probably want England to lose every game. I'll say that because I have lived here for ten years now, actually. <laughs> so, but as long as none of my family and friends hear this, um, but yeah, no, I, I am looking forward to it. I think it's been an unbelievable World Cup. I mean, Morocco just beat Portugal. 
which is you know another upset. Um, and you know England, if they can beat France, you know then they they definitely fancy their chances. I remember speaking to you in pre-season down at Southampton in the middle of the heat wave. You were complaining about the weather, but this this is more you, isn't it, this? This is more me. I think, although to be fair, I am a lot softer than previously. I've been down here too long, I think, so I'm I'm really accustomed to the warmer weather. So it's funny because when we train and it's cold at training, I'm one of the ones with all the hats and the gloves on. (laughs) People are questioning if I'm even Scottish, but... But yeah, I think it's. Uh, I would much rather be playing on a, a night like tonight than, uh, like you said, in pre-season at Southampton in 30 degree heat. That's just not for a Scotsman, I don't think. I was disappointed you wore a coat for this interview. Really. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you might in a t-shirt. It would have been much better. But but yeah, I think, um, like I said, we didn't quite get the the points to warm us up today. But you know, like with, with the weather and everything, get a point, get on the road, and get the jacket on, and you know, get back down to Park. And finally, a bit of momentum going into Ripswich as well. Yeah, I think we've we've definitely, you know, recently results have kind of went our way. Um, it just shows you if you put a little bit of a run together, it doesn't need much, which is probably the most frustrating thing. If we can just find that bit of consistency, which you know we've we've we're starting to kind of put a run together, going into a very tough run of games. Um, Ipswich, you know, they're I think they won again today, and you know you know how well they're they're doing this season. Um, then you know you've got the, the Boxing Day game and then the two tough away fixtures so we are going into a sticky sort of winter period um, by no means is it season defining because it just shows the, the league is you know I think we're four points off fourth um, so you know the league is what it is and I think if we can just find some consistency then you know come February, March time will be okay Really good to hear from Jack of course chatting to Phil after the game at Central Bank yes Wickham Wanderers currently ninth in League 2 uh, played a game or two uh, more than uh, some of the teams in and around the table but uh, a win on Saturday against the league leaders will uh, take them into the top six uh, potentially if uh, if other results go their way and then as mentioned there's quite a tricky uh, sort of fixture list coming up uh, starting uh, of course well the, the trickiness uh, really starts doesn't it with the league leaders coming uh, the, but then another game on Boxing Day again at Adams Park with the visit of Bristol Rovers and then a trip to Plymouth who of course are uh, well up there as well and then the new year starts with uh, another P Peterborough away uh, and then hosting Sheffield Wednesday as well and then Bristol Rovers again uh, This is uh, these games coming thick and fast in January Oxford as well big local derby coming to Adams Park and uh, finishing the first month of 2023 with the visit of Fleetwood Town much to look forward to in terms of the fixtures Still to come on the final part of the Wickham Wanderer show for this week, we catch up with manager Gareth Ainsworth to discuss, among a number of things, how the uh, freezing temperatures have affected their preparations for the visit of Ipswich Town, who come to Adams Park, as mentioned, on Saturday. A bumper crowd expected. If you're not going to the game, of course, you've got uh, full match commentary here on Wickham Sound on 106.6 FM and also on Wanderers TV as well. And you get the chance to uh, watch the game on Wanderers TV in the UK as well, uh, owing to the fact that it's an international uh, break, of course, for the World Cup, which uh, comes to its its conclusions this weekend at the third and fourth place playoff which can you remember England were part of not that long ago and then the final of course between Argentina and France but first uh, following the chair girls uh, this week we catch up with Dino who currently is playing her trade in the reserves not just as a player not just as a coach but in a bit of a different position uh, to what she's been used to as you'll hear in a few moments' time, uh, well, after she told us uh, how she got started at the club. I originally started when I was 13, back in the day, but I, it was only a women's team, so I pretty much was just a sub every week. Then I stopped at 16, 
rejoined at 19, but I did join two Marlow ladies. And then we folded and came over to Wickham. It must be my sixth season now since we came back to Wickham as a group of us. Obviously, started in the first team alongside Andy McIntosh, then went to Dave. And then last season got stepped down to the reserves, which is fantastic. I mean, I'm one of these older, wiser players that helps guide the younger ones because I'm now the oldest in the female section uh, of the Wanderers. So I, I like to be yeah, like a leader as such, such guider, like the auntie to the team and help the young ones progress through from the under 18s all the way through to the first team if they can and want to. But yeah, it's, it's great fun. So I'm sure you didn't um, get much chance to sort of reflect, but it, it, you must have seen so many changes in, in your time there. Yes, yes. So yeah, um, obviously the different management, different coaches, skills, as we've gone on and, and players coming in and out, some only coming in for a couple of training sessions and disappearing, some being there for years. And then obviously we've had the hard hit of the injuries with the ACLs, the, the four players that, that took out their knees, bless them, um, just by either running towards a ball or jumping and landing awkwardly. Um, obviously a couple of them have now retired from playing football altogether. Others have managed to get the operation, get the rehab in and, and started to phase back into training and playing, which is great to see them do that now. Especially in your, in your senior role, that must be great to sort of see the development of, of so many different players from, you know, really young up to, as you say, more experienced. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, obviously, I'm with the reserves. Um, Jamie is a loan manager. So, I help with running the warm-ups. My partner helps him with the admin side of things of so the club communicating with the other teams and getting everybody set and ready for, for the game on Sunday. He picks the team and does what he needs to do and just has Ellen as his little backup. I have currently had to step into goal as a goalkeeper due to injuries and people leaving us. And Emily Strange obviously being stepped up to the first team, which is quality for her, young 16-year-old, and, and she's doing well up there. So, yeah, learning a new role for myself at my age um, and getting the keeper coaching which is great, but uh, yeah, we are looking forward to hopefully getting a new goalkeeper at some point so I can step back out on the field and be stuck right back in it again. What's that been like, sort of playing in such a different position? Scary. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's great to just take it all in and, and see what's going on in front of you, but I don't know if you've ever been to one of our games, Colin, where I pretty much talk the whole game. and <laughs> um, literally just tell people to shuffle left, right, squeeze them up, shut them down lose my head occasionally when a simple goal goes in if it if it is a like a, a easy mistake that we could have rectified quickly but we're currently top of the league which is brilliant for us obviously our youngest players are 16 all the way through to me at 36 so we've got a nice mix of age groups experiences and we just fight for one another which is brilliant no one ever gives up a couple of weeks ago we came back from 2-0 down at half time to win against S4K 3-2 it's like you couldn't have asked for anything more in that in that match at that time from all these all the players out in front of me. But yeah, it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And obviously, the coaching role sounds like something that you've adapted to really well and taken to. Obviously, with your talking, as you mentioned, but also obviously passing on your experience as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just learning from everyone that's ever managed me or coached me throughout the years, um, picking up some of their drills that they do and and the way they speak to the players, obviously helps guide and, and, and communicate I'm classed as like the check-in person so if someone takes a knock one day I'll drop them a message the next day just to see how they're doing we obviously have our two physios that come to training um, but they're mainly with the first team on match days 
I took on a role of um, sports injuries and taping techniques, learned all of that so that I can assist on match days for the reserves especially. Uh, and I sometimes go to the under-18s games if I can get to them and assist there as well. Um, and it's just making sure the girls know what they need to do to recover from that knock so that they can play again either the week after or, or a couple of weeks down the line, depending on how bad the injury was. Essentially, you're the Swiss Army knife of Wicked Wanderers Women. Yeah, <laughs> apparently so. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just Dino and I just do it and I care about everybody and everyone. I just want everyone to have, have that smile on their face, get the, the successes that we, we desire and deserve and everyone to put the commitment in. I'm not sure if you've been told by any of them. Each week on a Sunday, I, I drop a message into our senior chat and there's four words I say before every game and that is teamwork, passion, commitment and determination to succeed and if you follow those four four words and and get all stuck in and put 110 percent in in that match you never know what's going to come out of the end of it and hopefully nine times out of ten it'll be that win or at least a good battle to to get a draw or just show show your worth as part of Wicked Wanderers women to anyone and everyone that wants to come and watch and support us oh that's fantastic the club are very lucky to have you Thank you. <laughs> it's really nice as well, because speaking to Jamie last week about the, the kind of reserve setup in that you've got, you know, obviously players coming up from the under-18s and perhaps, you know, coming down from the senior side as well, but also going in, in the other directions as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we are like the flowing team. So we have a, we have a core of players and we, we just wait for Jamie to release his squad for each Sunday so that we know who's either coming up or coming down to play alongside us. But it's brilliant. Um, we're, we're very welcoming to any any new person that wants to come in or any person that's already in the club that is stepping into the reserves game that Sunday. And we have a little chat with them. We just tell them that this is what we like we like to achieve from the performance overall. Just communicate, get out there, get stuck in, put your all in, and and no one can ask for anything more from you. And and it, nine times out of ten, it goes it goes great. I mean, we've lost two games this season so far. One was a friendly. And one was against Ryslip. They was a very strong team and, and the pitch wasn't the nicest, to be fair. But um, we can learn from those mistakes that or issues that we created ourselves in those two games to push on to stay top of the league and, and have a great competition as well as in the, the League Cup that we're still through on. So, yeah. It's a great record to have and obviously really uh, uh, inspiring, I guess, for those in the under-18s team as well to think, oh, I want to be part of that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they they love it. They either come and watch us, um, both us, the reserves and the first team, or yeah, they they get to get some minutes on the pitch with us. Um, some obviously do jump from the under 18s all the, straight through to the first, but that's because of obviously their their performance levels, their experience, their skills. They they just fit straight into that team. They don't need to have a little couple of goes in the the reserve seniors to see what ladies football is like. But yeah, you just you just have to take what the the, the more experienced slash older players in the club give the information about other teams and players because some of the older generation will trick you into different challenges and and tackles if you just stand and wait for for instance if you stand and wait for a pass an older experienced player will be like nope Nick Brown's you're off they off they've gone and then you're on the back foot so it's just trying to give them a bit of pointers of don't stand and wait. You, you must yeah, get stuck in straight away. And have you Let's noticed have you noticed sort of the quality of, of football both in your, in your own sort of team and club and from the opposition as well has, has improved over time as well? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, you, you never know what you're going to get these days. Obviously, I've been playing 
competitively again since I was 19. So back then it was a mixed match. You never know how it was going to go. The slide challenges that the, the, the older generation used to like to make in the back in the day on the mud pitches. Obviously, we've now gone to 3G pitches. You're not really wanting to slide on them as much, but if you've got to do it, you do it. But yeah, it's just the passing and moving and, and watching women's football on TV now. Obviously, the Euros helps get more people involved and, and wanting to give it a try at least so they come along and see what they like and go from there. And you've got a reserve game this Sunday. There's no uh, first-team fixture, I understand. So a great opportunity for people to come and, come and give extra support. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so we're at um, Burnham, the uh, 1878 Stadium. It's a two o'clock kickoff, so it will start getting dark there. But um, we're hoping the snow clears so that we're uh, able to play over there. We're against East Oxford. Um, we beat them away 1-0 at their ground earlier on in the season. So we're hoping to uh, show what we've improved on since playing that game. And... Uh, keep top of the league and hopefully get 30 points before Christmas. Great chat to uh, Dino, of course, from uh, Wickham Wanderers Women Reserves. As she mentioned, uh, they're in action on Sunday at Burnham and uh, you can get along there and uh, support them for a two o'clock kickoff. Uh, of course, three o'clock the day before at Adams Park, Wickham Wanderers take on Ipswich. You might have noticed it's been quite cold. Uh, here's Wickham manager Gareth Ainsworth telling us uh, what impact the weather's had on their preparations for that one. Yeah, obviously it's uh, it's it's difficult. We've had to change venues of training, but we're getting a training session in every day, which is important. I'm sure that a lot of teams are struggling at this time of year and they'll be inside training and outside training. I think it's uh, it's important to have got your principles of play involved into the team, you know, in the summer months and, and the, the months when you're allowed to train. Because this comes into the season every year, you know, you always get these periods and, and sometimes you can't work on what you want to work on. So you, you rely on things you've done and, and your identity working up to the games, you know, so everyone should know how you play and, and know, you know, what it takes to be in a Wickham team. Um, just because we work, we can't work on specifics. You know, it is a little bit of a hindrance, but um, we're lucky enough that we've we've been able to change venues and uh, and get a couple of good sessions in. So we're, we're quite content with how we've prepared for it, switch on Saturday. And I'm sure they've got fantastic facilities over there. You know, they're a huge club. So it'd be, um, be a miss of me to think that they'll be struggling to try and you know, some of the northern teams, the smaller clubs, I'm not sure how they'll they'll be able to get sessions on and uh, and I think this is a big telling part of the season. So yeah, we're uh, we're lucky. It's cold, but um you you expect that in England at this time of year and uh, we're uh, we're ready for this uh, this game on Saturday and then a real tough Christmas period coming up after that. I mean, do you feel that you're going into this game despite the weather, sort of very well prepared, and, and that the team is, is is doing well at the moment? I know you said after the, the Lincoln game that you know it, it will, might well look back on that as, as a good point at the end of the season. I'm looking back now as a good point, definitely. It's uh, yeah, it, anything on the road is good. Yeah, we're prepared. We're prepared as as good as we can be. You know, one thing is we're adaptable here, so we're working, and we'll uh, we'll make the most of any situation as we've done, as we've learned over the years of having nothing. Now we've got stuff. Uh, we still don't don't just we're not just becoming these prima donnas who expect everything. We'll still work hard to, if we have to clear some snow or we have to, you know, work hard to find a venue and make things work, we'll do it. And, uh, and I think that's for the beauty of Wickham Wanderers. And uh, so, yeah, prepared as we can be for it, switch on Saturday. And having the league leaders come into town must be something that both yourself and, and the players are really relishing. Yeah, of course. You know, we, we, you've got to play league leaders at some stage. And uh, and I think um, Ipswich have shown that they're, you know, a huge club in this division, them and Sheffield Wednesday seem to be pulling away a little bit and rightly so, you know, you look at those two clubs and the history in them uh, and the money they've spent is, uh, is you know, it's 
it's no surprise to see them at the top of the league. So, um, but they are beatable, and uh, we know that. And we we seem to be hitting form at a decent time. And uh, let's see what kind of game we get on Saturday. Because I think a lot of um, supporters certainly getting quite excited by it, and I guess as well, you know, maybe play, um, fans who might have gone to Premier League games, obviously they're, they're not at the moment a great opportunity to come and see some great football just before Christmas. No, it's true. Yeah, I mean, there's been a, a you know a starvation of of, uh, of Premier League, hasn't there, over the last two or three weeks, and uh, the World Cup become more sporadic now that the the last teams are in it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's an ideal opportunity again to showcase League One and, and show you know the, the quality in League One. I think that. Over the years, especially the last five years, the quality has improved, you know, tenfold in League One. You know, some of the teams that are in there now, gone are the days where it was sort of two halves of, uh, of 92 teams. You know, you seem to have the Premier League and the Championship that were all these top teams and then one and two were all these other teams. Now, League One is definitely a mixture, a real mixture of, uh, what is it, seven ex-Premier League teams or eight ex-Premier League teams. You know, it's crazy. So we've really got to, got to showcase what we can do and uh, and I'm sure that Ipswich coming to town is a, is a brilliant opportunity for people to get down Southern's Park and see a, see a good game. Would you say that's the main factor as to why things are kind of so tight? Because it seems like, you know, even from the bottom to the top, there, there's not much in the, in the difference in the teams. That seems to be even more so yeah. than previous seasons. Yeah, you know, the quality is getting better in football, Colin, you know, and uh, you can only pick 11 players and, and there's a lot of good players around. So I think the uh, gone are the days where the uh, disparity in the top and bottom are are huge, you know. I think that, you know, you look at the teams that have come to us and, and your Cheltenham's we've gone to, your, your Forest Greens, your Morecambe's, you know, but they've all been hugely competitive games and, and so same as the Peterboroughs and the Plymouths and the and the Ipswiches, hopefully, you know. So we've we've got to we've got to respect everyone in, in this game. It's uh you know, the the money in the game gets you a, a big squad, but anyone can put a decent eleven out and I think that um I think that that's been shown this season. We're really close, uh, and we know that a couple of wins on the board gets propels you out of the league, but a couple of defeats can can sink you down the league as well. So we've got to be consistent, and uh, and that's what we'll be hoping for on Saturday. And I must ask about your musical choices for, for Saturday. That must be something you've had had a bit of fun sort of compiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just something different uh, away from football, which was great, you know. So probably a couple of. Uh, a couple of expected tunes, but then chucking Jerry Lee Lewis in there as well. A respect of a, a recent passing of him, and uh, and obviously one of the pioneers of uh, of rock and roll and wild man of rock. So um, yeah, nice to nice to speak to to Phil Midweek and, and get them uh, get them on the playlist. Although people will probably know I've had an influence on the playlist from day one here, so it's <laughs> uh, it's no surprise. But uh, no, it's uh, it's great to uh, to talk about the music and uh, and and what it means to me.